Praise the Lord. I want you to look into the face of your brother or sister and tell her you are welcome. Yes. For some time now, we've been talking on the topic, the life of the church. And today, we're going to continue from where we left last week. However, last week, we made ourselves to understand that the church as we see, we are not biological seed of Abraham, but we are spiritual seeds of Abraham. And we made ourselves to understand that we became the seed of Abraham because of our faith. And also Abraham, before the creation of the earth, and after the earth was created, we had nothing like people of God until Abraham was also called from a Gentile nation. So, the argument that the Christ is only meant for the Jew doesn't come in here at all. We've all become the sons of God through our faith that we profess in Christ Jesus. So the Israelite, they are biological seed of God, of Abraham specifically. But to us, we are spiritual seed of God. And the seed of the spiritual is higher than that of the biological. So our sonship is of spiritual. That comes from what? Faith. And as such, we become co-heads with Christ, as the Bible clearly stated. We are heads with God and co-heads with Christ. So it means that whatever is in God, we are also part of it. We inherit from God, we inherit our life from God, we inherit our identity from God, not by any biological birth, but by that spiritual birth. That's why one time when Nicodemus went to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, how can I make heaven? That is how I, I paraphrase his word. And Jesus said, unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we inheriting heaven is not by biological birth, but it's by spiritual birth. If you believe that, say Amen. And also, we also saw that we, our chosen, was before the foundation of the earth, before even God thought of building the world, creating the mountains and all that we see. He had in mind to have people of, him, uh, of his own choice, people that he would choose to become his nation, his people. So our election is not as that of the Israelites. It was something that God has already thought of 
before he started creating the earth. And that gladdens my heart, that even before God thought of creating the world, he had me in mind. He had you in mind. Hallelujah. You were part of the master plan of God. When he was creating the world, you were part of the master plan of God. That one day, some people will be born, though by biologically, they will metamorphose to become spiritual seed, spiritual heads of I, Jehovah God. And we saw that such people, uh, the Bible says that we are chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy people that have been chosen purposely to declare the glory of God. Now, as we speak, if you go to Israel, I said it before, that we went for a conference there, and surprisingly, these Jews whom we told that Jesus came for them, formerly that was the thought I was having, were rather rejecting this Christ that has become a blessing to us. And they wrote a lot of things on uh, placards that we did not colonize you with our religion. So don't come and Christianize us. And even surprisingly, some said, we don't know that Jesus you talk about as a savior. We knew him as a brother. Surprisingly. So if somebody should say that salvation is for the Jews, I, for instance, I would say no. Biologically, they are meant to have that position because of the promise. But they were, God brought them in because of us so that they will be the herald of salvation. But they lost that position. And thanks be to God, you have been placed in that position to show to them that indeed Jesus is alive and he is a savior. Hallelujah. So we become co-heads of God. Also, we saw that the royalty there represents authority. We've been given authority. Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. And that power, he has given that power to us. So whoever comes to be part of this church, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church universal receives that power because of his royalty. And because you are a royal, you are, it's also expected of, of you to live your life as a royal. It will be surprising to go to Kumasi and then see the royals there mingling with those guys around, doing all those things that those guys do. Does. No. Then you have dent your royal clothes. So it is very important for us to know that wherever we go, in speech, in thought, in action, whatever we do, we must know that we are royal. We are above all. We are co-heads of God, of Jesus Christ, inheriting the same royalty in heaven. And that gladdens me. That though I'm on earth, I'm here, co-head with Christ in heaven. So as Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, 
He is not sitting there alone. I'm part of him. I'm also there. Last week you saw that we are wearing Christ, isn't it? So if you are wearing Christ and I'm Christ on earth. So now if somebody wants to see Christ, he did not need to be finding Christ anywhere. You are the Christ. Hallelujah. Because the anointing, Christ means anointed one. And that unction that Jesus Christ used to do his work as an approved one, now that unction has been given unto you. So as you walk along, you carry Christ. You carry that unction. You carry that power with you. Hallelujah. And also, I want us to also, uh, yeah, last week, we saw that the church was purchased with the blood of Jesus. And the church, through the blood, has also been sanctified, justified, redeemed. We also saw that the church has been redeemed through the living word of God, which is described as incorruptible word of God that lives forever. So it means that when you are saved, you listen to God's word, you carry life with you. So as I'm here, I have life, you have life. And we came to the point where he said that we are chosen as living stones. So as we walk around, know that you are a living stone, you are not a dead stone. And anything which is living produces. It's expected of us that by the end of this year, at least you should produce your kind. Produce a soul, not two stones. Produce one stone. Hallelujah. And if the need be, produce two. Quadruple yourself. Produce yourself in tens and twenties. Hallelujah. And as you do that, the blessings of the Lord will surely be yours. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 to 17, it says something which is very striking. Uh, it was said by Paul, and I want us to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 to 17. It says that, for we are God's fellow workers. I want us to take note of some things. We are God's fellow workers. As a church, we've become God's fellow workers on earth, representing God on earth. You are God's field. So the church is God's fellow workers and also God's field. You are God's building. So these are the three descriptions that the, where Paul is giving to the church. That as a church, we are God's fellow workers and also God's field and God's building. And my emphasis is on the God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed 
how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, woods, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on and deals he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. I want to end it there. Here we've seen that Paul was talking to the people of Corinthians. In actual fact, the church of Corinth was founded by Paul. It is Paul who went and built that church. And after Paul left, there was a little bit of confusion in there. And Paul wanted to address the situation and was telling them that he came as a founder. But as a founder, he built the church as a wise builder. A wise builder. A builder who did not do his things haphazardly or who didn't do his things anyhow. But he saw to it that the grace that God has given unto him he will bring all to reality in building the house of God. And he's saying that the building that even though he was the founder, there is no any other foundation that was laid apart from what Jesus Christ laid. So in other words, he's considering that though he is the founder, the, the, found, the real founder of the church is Christ Jesus. Because he, Paul, didn't die for the church. It is Christ who died for the church. We earlier on said that the church was redeemed through the blood of Jesus. So some say that uh, have a lot of interpretation that they give to this. But in a real sense, this is what Paul is trying to draw our minds to. That there is no foundation that is already built. So if he, Paul, has been able to achieve his aim based on the grace on him in building the church, then it's not by his strength, but because somebody has already laid the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. And he said, therefore, since we all have various graces that God has given unto us, we should be mindful of how we also laid upon that foundation that has already been laid. The foundation that has already been laid is solid and nothing can change it. Nothing can move it. We already knew that the stone that Jesus Christ described, that upon this stone I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it, is Christ himself. But to, Paul, to Peter, it was a responsibility. So for us Christians, building on this solid foundation, we must identify our grace. I must know my grace. 
you must know your grace, else you can't build. The choir, they are operating in their, in, their, in their grace. That is the grace that God has given unto you. I can't envy you. When I envy you, I'm killing myself. Then it means that I don't know what I'm doing. I also have to identify my grace. Why am I part of this church? Why am I part of the church of God? What am I also using in building upon the foundation of this church? And you can only be effective if you know the grace that God has given unto you. Maybe yours may be an advice. We have some people who could even advise, give wise counsel. Excuse me to say, I have some ministers here, even the ministers. We can preach. That is our field. We can pray. That is our field. We can counsel. That is our faith. But there may be somebody seated among the crowd who is having a unique grace of counseling. And the gifting, that grace that God has given to you is not in vain. It has been given to you so that you can use it to the benefit of the church. So you have to avail yourself. Until you avail yourself, you will not uh, fulfill that mission that God has given unto you. Maybe the grace that God has given unto you is to intercede for this church. If you fail to intercede, things will go wrong. Yours may be that God has given a grace to be the financial giant behind this church. If you fail to fulfill your mission as God has given unto you, you will fail God. And it's true. Even Jesus in his ministry had some people like Joanna and Hannah to support him in his ministry. They identified the grace on them and they availed themselves in doing that work. So for us to be able to also build on what has already been built lies in our identification of the grace that God has given unto us. What grace have you identified about your life? You can't be effective until you identify that grace that God has given unto you. So Paul is saying that by identification of the grace that God has given unto us, we must be mindful how we build. And he said some, uh, the grace that God has given to them uh, is like, is likened to gold. Some is silver and some precious stone. Then we came to the other part which is also wood, hay and straw. When I got here, I said, wow, then how can we have a building without woods, without such elements? And we all know that all these things, when they pass through fire, some will definitely burn. The wood will burn. But the gold will survive. The silver will survive. The precious stone, to some extent, will survive. But the wood will definitely burn. And I recollected the place that we visited in Israel. We saw a temple which is built without wood. Everything was stone, right from the foundation to the roofing level was precious stone. So it's then that I understood this very well. You being a hay 
or a wood depends on your availability to be used. I don't think God in his uh, sense will choose that the people he's using in building the, the building, some should become wood, some should become hay, and some should become precious stones. But then, you being precious stone depends on you. How available you are, how committed you will be to the things of God. We have a lot of people in the house of God who takes the things of God very lightly. They disregard whatever God has given unto them. When it's time to do something, they are the people to complain. They will complain and complain and complain. They will not avail themselves. And even those who have availed themselves to do, they criticize them. If you are that type, you are a hay. If you are that type, you are a wood. But I pray that in this house, we will not have woods here, neither should we have hay, but, or, or any other thing, but we should be precious stones. We should be gold. We should be silver. When the silver or the gold, especially gold, when it passes through the fire, it will survive. But when stone passes through, stones can also survive. But when woods pass through, it will burn. In this house, how are we discharging our duty? That saddens at my heart. Some people, when they do something in the house of God, they expect them to be paid. We are not looking sight on, let's say, motivation. Oh, we'll do it and do it more. But do the work with clear conscience without any expectation of reward. And I, as you do that, your work will survive. Your work will abide. Your work will be recognized by God. Let us be, let us be gold. Let us be silver. Let us be precious stone. Hallelujah. And in this, I'll say that they are those items to be available for the master's use. It also suggests that in the house of God, everybody we see is an important vessel to be used. We are all important vessels to be used. You are an important vessel. If you read the, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, he said, in a big house are many, what, articles. Some for things of Hannah, some for, for things of this Hannah. But among the lot, that is where the difference is. Among the lot, among the things which are of Hannah and the things which are of Hannah, the one that will avail himself will be picked as something which is Hannah in the hands of the master. 
So it doesn't matter whether you are a broom. It doesn't matter whether you are the mobbing stick or the bucket. It doesn't matter if you are the television. It doesn't matter if you are the center table. It doesn't matter if you are the bed. Whatever you are depends on your availability. When we avail ourselves, we become vessel for God. I, I ask that God will pour that grace into our heart individuals so that we identify ourselves in God's house so as to be beneficial to others. And it also says that that person becomes a vessel of honor, sanctified and used for the master, prepared for every good work. So every good work, either to tidy up this place, is good work. I have one elder here. I heard a lot about him. And when I came, I observed that it's true. Sometimes in the evenings, he will come around checking on the flowers. I will not mention his name. But as I said, you've already seen the person. That duty of that honorable man may not be regarded, but it will surprise you of the reward that God is laying down for that honorable man. Though a lawyer, but he will come and water everything here. He is not a deacon. He is not a deaconess. But he will come and water these things here. What does it tell you? A lawyer. It means that the reward of those of us who pride ourselves to be deacons and deaconesses, but not availing ourselves in this church of these duties, our crown and our reward goes to this honorable man. Though he saw the deacon, but he identified one thing that in this house, that is my grace. My grace is to see to that the environment is beautiful. When we come, oh, nice flower. Oh, the church is beautiful. Isn't it? But it took somebody. That is why there will be a lot of surprises when we get to heaven. I pray that I will not be the other side. You will be surprised to get to heaven and your uh, not, not your pastor per se. <laughs> a pastor you know will be sitting at a zongo. And surprisingly, somebody you less respect will be sitting in a mansion. Uh, which of the mansion do you want? All the mansions here cannot be comparable to the mansions we have in heaven. There will be a lot of surprises. So if we are officers, we shouldn't pride ourselves that we are officers. We must work in that grace that God has given unto us. I know we have a lot of things on our head. However, don't lose the hand, the grace that came upon you as an officer. 
you have a duty. The reason why they called you, the whole church agreed that you should be ordained as deacon and deaconess. And an apostle was invited to pray for you. We brought those stones on you. It's for a purpose. A grace has been what? Imparted unto you to function. I'm not talking well. Hello? Elders, including myself, we must discharge our duty excellently and perfectly because grace has been imparted unto us to function in that very grace, that hand that has been laid on us. So we can't fill God. We can't fill the church. Else, we become like the wood. There are a lot of members we preach to, but they knew what they should know. They are gold. They are silver. They are precious stone. What are we? And what are you? I pray that we all become gold. We all become silver. Hallelujah. Some they will not give in support. Hey, we are raising funds. Hey! And rather go about polluting people. Be careful. It shows what you are. But if you are precious stone, whatever is done here, you are committed to it. You are committed in paying your, giving your offering, paying your tithe, doing everything that is supposed to be done because you know that you are gold, you are precious stone. I know this room will be quiet. And I like it that way. I'm happy when the room is quiet. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's identify the grace that is on us so that we can function. Else at the end, something is going to reveal our heart and minds in the service of the Lord as stones. And he said, fire. Fire will reveal all. Whatever I am, eh, fire will reveal at the end. Yours also will reveal at the end. But when we are precious stone, we shall all pass through the fire. But then we will come out shining. Amen. The women, they are used to gold and silver. Men, we are not. If you see any lady, either the ear or the hand, gold. But we men, we are not used to gold. Gold is precious, isn't it? Where my mommy do hide her jewels, mm, she can sometimes hide it to the point that she'll be looking for it and she wouldn't know where she put it. Why? Because it's precious. If you are gold, God will hide you in his secret place. 
If you are silver, God will hide you in his secret place. If you are precious stone, God will hide you in his secret place. But if you are hay, oh, any wind can blow you off. So those who are hidden in God are the gold. I pray that you'll be gold. Yes. Can we move forward? What is the lifestyle of the church? The lifestyle of the church. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2. The lifestyle of the church. So, uh, what is God expecting from us? Uh-huh. 42 to 47. The first thing is that the Bible said that and they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and of fellowship in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. For all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. I love that one. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is first mention how the church led their life. So in the first place, we take into consideration the apostles' doctrine. And I'm not going to preach much about that. It also means that in building the church, there is a need for us to identify the ministries, the various ministries that we have. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 going, is that when Jesus ascended on high, he took captive captive. And he did what? Brought giftings unto men. And he made some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, evangelists, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints. So it means that your giftings is required. You can be a member, but yet an apostle. Before you became an apostle, it has already been deposited in you. I mean, that is what I believe. But it needs an appointed time where the church will identify you, call you, and give you that office. 
So you can be a member, yet you speak like an apostle. You can be an elder, yet speak like a prophet. You can be a member, yet speak like a teacher. Whatever giftings you have, God is using it in building the church. And he said the members, the people, they stayed under the doctrine of what? The apostles. So wherever office you are, if you are a ministry leader, know that in that ministry, you are an apostle for a reason. In building the souls that have been handed over to you. We have a very excellent marriage school in this place, headed by excellent people. When I came and I heard what they were doing, I said, wow. My brother Asante and the rest, you are doing a great thing. In that field, you are the apostle. And whoever sits under us, we must know that we have one duty in building and equipping the soul. Hallelujah. And also, we saw that they were breaking bread, isn't it? That is fellowship. We must have fellowship. We must have fellowship with each other. There should be, be a situation where there will be division among us. I quite remember when I was in Mamobi, that was where I accepted Christ fully and started going to church and I became what I am now. Anytime, those times we'll be having general convention and when we are going, the women, they will carry their cohort, the Agbelima and the rest. And the young guys within, what we've been doing is that we know that we don't have a lot of dress. So the nice one I have, I'll pick it. You also pick yours. My daddy will also pick his. And when we get to the ground, today I'll wear mine. Then I wash it. Tomorrow I'll be wearing elders' own. Then we wash it rotational. And people never identify that we brought one shirt. When we are hungry, you know, eh, all the ladies are our sisters. You don't need to disturb scratching your head. Where do I get food to eat? All you need is to enter wherever room you know that your <laughs> mamobi people are. Immediately the food is found, we all surround it together with the women, then we eat it. The fellowship was so powerful. We were together. We do things as one community, one family. I pray that this spirit should dawn on us. Let's begin to do things as one people, one family. Whatever affects you, affects me. I shouldn't say I'm not part of the choir, so it's choir people's matter. No, it's all of us our matter. Whether the person is giving birth, whether funeral, whatever, we must all rally together as what? One people. 
Whether the person is in second service or not, we are what? One people. There shouldn't be any division among us. We should be one. And togetherness we stand. And the Bible said that as they did that, oh, God did a lot of miracles. I'll be running up. God did a lot of miracles through them. The reason why of late some people complain we don't see the hand of God is because our unity is not perfect. We've brought divisions and things, selections. Oh, I go with these people. This is why I don't go with them. How do you expect the power of God to move within a scattered congregation? We are one. But when we are one in heart, in spirit, and in mind, we don't need to shout too much. We only lift our hands and there will be miracles. If somebody is dying and the church comes together and we say, God, we don't allow this death. You've given us the key. The person will come back to life. When somebody is suffering, going through severe pain, and we gather as a church and intercede, we don't even need to bring the person there. God will list it. In the time of Paul, Peter, he was arrested, isn't it? Because they succeeded killing James and they thought that they would get Peter too. So they arrested them. And the Bible said the church gathered and did what? Prayed. Immediately, God had to dispatch angels for their release. And even when Peter came and was knocking, still they couldn't believe their ears that Peter was released. That is power of unity. I pray that this spirit will come on us. So that I'll be free. When I'm talking to you, I don't have any ill motive in mind that you go and sell me. But I can feel free and tell you my mind for your counsel and advice. The church has gotten to a point that even if you are talking to your fellow minister, talking to your fellow elder, talking to your fellow brother, you are afraid that he will go and sell you. And a lot of people are dying emotionally. Because no trust again. The person is dying inside. He needed somebody to confine in. But he's afraid. If I should tell you my secret, you'd rather go and sell me. I don't know whether you sell me as Kako. <laughs> or you sell me. <laughs> you see, the elephant, uh, how do you call it? Uh, monkey. Our father said that the one who killed him, he is not having any problem with such a person, the one who killed him, than the one who went about selling his meat. That is how some of us we have become. We are in the church. Haven't you heard? Haven't you? What have you heard? <laughs> and says that same person, you will come and you'll be expecting God to move. After you've gone to sell the person. Oh, brother, sister, let's stop that one. But let's put our graces together in helping the church. I would like to end here another time. We continue.